Today on our Tech for Business podcast, we're joined by our marvelous marketing masters, I think is what we were called. Tara, our marketing and business development manager, and Kelsey, our graphic design and brand strategist. What long titles. <laughs> but there's so much that we do. And today we're talking about, is it malicious or is it marketing? I'm actually going to throw it to Kelsey, because I know that this idea kind of came up in a different podcast, and I was wondering if you'd give us a little background about how we ended up here today. Yeah, totally. I know this is it's weird to be on the other side of the mic to be like, I'm not just listening, I actually have to say something to yes. But we were talking post-podcast, as we do, talking about QR codes and people going, hey, it's spammy. And then we were like, okay, when it really boils down to it, marketers and right for ad actors, people that design phishing campaigns is what I'm going to call it for today. We're both trying to get people to take an action. So then it brings the question with all these tactics and QR codes, right? We'll go into all of that. Is it malicious or is it just a creative marketing attempt to try to get you to buy a product or connect with a company? So yeah, that's long story short, how we landed here today. For sure. So Kara is our, our fearless leader. Just, I just want to level set a little bit because most of our listeners are um, in business of some sort, but could you explain a little bit the difference when we're talking about spam and phishing and marketing? Because sometimes it can feel similar. Yes, it can. And I think, you know, it's very poignant that we're talking about that today. Um, most of our, you know, customers and prospects are used to CIT and how we go about engaging them. I mean, we do a lot via our emails that we send out to them and our website as well. And we are big proponents of education to our customers as well. So we want to make sure, you know, today of how do you recognize some of those phishing pieces or spam and ensuring that the email that you're getting from CIT is legit. And, you know, we'll we'll go into a little bit detail as to how you can find which ones would be malicious and which ones are not. But I know like from the marketing perspective that CCAM or can spam, excuse me, log went into place in 2013. And it's really basic, you know, information to protect us as CIT, but also the users that are going to be getting those emails. And it's really just as simple as, is it looking like it's coming from CIT? Are there weird and deceptive subject lines that are different from what generally CIT would send out? Is there an ad that somehow is in that email that might be a little too good to be true that kind of makes you cause for a pause, as I like to say it, of, well, that's really weird. I wonder if that's really actually happening at CIT. And we really have to tell you, too, like where we're located. So if you get an email that doesn't have any of the contact information below or your unsubscribe link below, those are kind of weird things that you want to kind of raise your hand and be like, I think that's odd. Maybe I need to mark that as spam because it's not from CIT. Yeah. We're all about that training. We're all about that. And use your training here. <laughs> we talked about it before. Absolutely. And I will have plenty of like educational materials and things in the description, even some stuff you can kind of send out and train your, your employees on. But I'm kind of wondering if it would be valuable to go a little bit into like we talked a little bit about like the different channels. So email or Google ads or um, even an advertisement on TV, sort of what we kind of look for or what's sort of expected. There's yeah, absolutely. I say, Taryn, so much. Do you want to go first? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll go first and then I can hand it over to Kelsey. So she had mentioned previously, like we in marketing are looking for what we call the CTA, call to action. So typically some type of email that we would send out, or if it's a QR code on a postcard, we're wanting you to take some type of action to then get some additional information because we want to be very particular when we're sending those that we know that you're a prospect or that you're a customer or that you're interested in X, Y, and Z. So we do focus a lot on the segmentation of those messages. So it'd be odd if you're in, you know, finance and you're getting an email, you know, about something that's not pertaining to you that typically will raise some of those red flags. So again, you know, just kind of take a look at that. But that call to action is really kind of that next step. And there are ways that you can hover over and kind of take a look at it and see if it's coming from the appropriate domain. But I'll pass it to Kelsey and she can talk a little bit further on that. Yeah, and just to kind of zoom out a little bit that I think Kara's done a great job being like, here at CIT, we do all of these things and then kind of going, hey, as a consumer, what do you expect? What card, what sort of ads are you expecting to see? It's the whole, hey, did you mention something and now you're getting five different Instagram ads about it? And I'm like, this is both a good and a bad thing. It's the hyper-personalization, right? Of going, you're expecting to see these things because you took an action which insider knowledge, right, that's going, hey, if you're using a private browser, you're not then, right, giving up your IP address, you're not showing what you're doing on their website. So that's kind of the good and bad of going, hey, if you're expecting to be hyper-personalized marketed to, that probably means that don't do the private browsing. If you'd rather that us as marketers not know anything about you, turn on that private browsing, 100%. Again, we're not technical resources. We have separate podcasts about social engineering, all of that jazz, but go on from there. And then pulling back yet a step again of going, hey, we mentioned TV ads and QR codes. That was the one thing that we talked with Todd, our, yes, COO and CISO. <laughs> yeah. Um, but right, so we asked him, we said, okay, Super Bowl. You see just a QR code on the screen. There's no branding. There's no nothing. It's just a QR code. What do you do with that? Again, if you pick up your phone, hover over it, it's going to pre-display a URL. Now, with a lot of different marketing softwares, that URL may not look, it may have some Google gibberish before it. It may have some Marketo gibberish before it. So that alone, right, isn't telling you a ton about it, but it is going, you still have to take an action. So just by scanning a QR code, your phone is not automatically taking an action. Yes, as their technology is going, hey, now you can do all of these different things. You can open all these different things. Yes, but typically in order to take that next step, you're clicking on it. It's then opening the URL. From there, a lot of times, then right, there's the credential harvesting. There's going through and saying, hey, enter all of this stuff. Exactly as Tara talked about, if you scan it and all of a sudden it's going, get six months of managed services free from CIT. Yeah, sadly, that's probably not an offer that we're running. That maybe seems a little bit sus. But going back to, hey, it's a Super Bowl, the amount of money and the amount of infrastructure that goes into those ads and the amount that they're reviewed, it's highly unlikely that that's a malicious link. Why? Because, right, the advertising company, people test that before it goes live on the air, where we see, right, ads on Google. Those are being reviewed by Google, but the amount of ads that are going out daily that people are submitting are just too many to be able to capture everything. So even, right, the like suggested you are on the top of your Google search results. Maybe phishing. Hover over that. They can make it look like just about anything, especially as we get into holiday season, depending on whenever this episode airs. Yeah, if you're shopping, maybe scroll down below, which then also as marketers, then you're not paying for clicks on those top ones. So a little insider knowledge on all of those fun Google ads. But 
that's kind of going from anything from a QR code to a commercial to any of those things is look at what's the source. Is that your local per? Is it a YouTube ad? Those are Google ads. That's probably easier to get on there. Maybe pause. If Again, it's a Google ad, you're probably good to go. If it's a QR code on a postcard from somebody at a booth that works for the company that you're expecting, you can probably scan that code. That's totally fine. Stick around a light pole. Maybe, yeah, I could probably just Google that company name or Google something about it. I'm probably not going to just scan that in a coffee shop. So again, slow down enough to question it for just a second is the very boiled down advice there. Yeah, I did want to mention one thing too. And we talk about this of just overall education when it comes to cybersecurity is always you can go back out to their website. If you feel like that email, you know, don't click on the link, go out to CIT's website. If you got an ad from Target, go to Target you know, website and enter in if you need to sign into your account that way. Um, that way, you know, it's a trusted source and you see the little secure up there in, in that left-hand corner where it's the web link. So another little, you know, tidbit that I heard, I'm sure you guys are hearing constantly from CIT, but it really does make sense to be like, well, just pause for a little bit and let's try something different. And one last thing to note is it's going to be rare from marketers though, too, like from CIT that we're going to ask you to put in your password for something related to, you know, something that we're offering, you know, whether it's just a quick little webinar, we don't have passwords where you have to enter in information. So that's something too, is kind of familiarize yourself with the process from the organizations that you work with. And if it's something out of that norm, that's going to raise a little bit of the red flag is to be like, weird, they've never asked of me before. Should I do that? Just wanted to mention that piece. Oh, 100% and kind of right to go, hey, this is everything that we're doing. This is what to expect. It's also going... Hey, maybe if you're listening and you have an internal marketing department and they're sitting, and I know, Tara, you sit at our leadership meetings, right? And we occasionally get feedback internally of, that looks spammy. That looks like phishing, which right as a marketer, you're like, no, it's nothing that I ever wanted. And right as our in-house kind of graphic designer is one of my roles, we try to pride ourselves in doing graphic design that looks professional. It doesn't look like we used word art to make it which right is kind of the fine sort of, right? Occasionally that's what we're saying, but occasionally also realizing that your mail, right? So Outlook on my desktop could remove all of the good, beautiful, gorgeous images that we threw in an email, all the formatting and all of a sudden you got gobbledygook and you're like, yeah, that does look like phishing. Do I also love our security team and realize that there's a lot of things in place internally to make sure that we're secure? Yes, 100%. Does that email occasionally look a lot better on my phone? Yes, also 100%. So right, realizing where some of the plain text emails that you may see coming from, right? That's part of, we have to look at it as marketers and go, what makes sense to add a visual versus what makes sense to have a plain text because the content is more important than the razzle-dazzle, even though I love to make things sparkly. I love to make them look good, but it's just the world that we live in that those images may be removed. And then you're going, hey, I even got an email the other day that said, if you can't see this email, click allow images. And it was like, yes, a hundred percent. You may get some of that just by allowing images again is not all of a sudden putting yourself in a giant security risk, which again, I feel like I should ask her, I'm a marketer, not a cybersecurity yeah. expert. Could that ever be a thing? Potentially, but all it's doing is allowing those images to download, which we've all had emails that are completely blank until that downloads. And then you're like, because the marketer wanted to use a GIF, GIF, whichever one you're saying today, and they wanted it to look pretty, yes. 
most of the time. For sure. I think I also wanted to add that a lot of our listeners are like IT admin or security professionals. And you might be listening to this thinking like, and like it's the holiday season, like what they're doing on their personal phone is, you know, I hope that they're safe, but it's not my job. And you know what? There's a blend of like your work technology and your home technology. I know that I have teams on my personal phone. Like there is this blurring line, not that it's the security's responsibility to take care of what you're doing in your personal life, but you still need to keep these things in mind when you are doing your holiday shopping, um, doing these things for Black Friday, because there might be something on your phone that's going to connect back to your business and your company. <laughs> that just sparks something. Sorry, Dara. I'm like, yeah, one, one thing, tech, text marketing, text marketing, right? Because that's another tool in the toolkit of is it malicious? Is it marketing? Do I get now an entire Essentially, I'm that person. If anybody listening looked at my phone, they'd be like, you have that many unread text messages. And I'm like, well, I have an Apple Watch. So I see where mm-hmm. the like advertisements come up and then I just forget to mark them as read. Has Apple addressed that? Yes, I could tangent on that, but we're going to move right on past that. But go on the text that you get. Hey, we couldn't deliver this package. Please oh, yeah. click here. Right. Those, again, sense of urgency, very timely, those types of things. Typically, would UPS ever send you text messages without you opting in? No, you would know. You would have opted in. It would have been from an expected number. It would not have just randomly been, hey, I put my number in for an order. Yes, but you still have to opt into texting. Again, it's that taking the action of going, I said yes to this, so I'm expecting it. And to Tara's point earlier, you can go out and check your order number just to be safe. But that's to your point, Ariel, going, hey, we have work things on our devices are our devices also managed by work without being over yeah that's a whole nother tangent that you can get into but that's something that hey you're running around on your lunch break you click on something because it was a text message yeah 100 that's another way that could be just a good educational thing for your entire staff yeah i was just going to mention along those lines ariel and with the the it folks that might be listened to as you know they will adhere to like certain policies. So if you are, you know, your acceptable user policy to make sure that you're not doing a bunch of personal stuff on your work device, because a lot of organizations will have that just from a cybersecurity perspective. But I think we've all been, we've all done it, you know, on occasion, like Kelsey said, you got a text and you have some of it on your personal phone, but especially with the holidays, I know I was listening to the news that a lot of people are starting the Black Friday sales now. And so just keep that in mind that you're going to start to see that because even though some people may wait into the true holidays, there's a lot of stuff that's ticking up right now that there's deals going on. And again, you know, getting back to if it sounds too good to be true, then maybe second guess it and be like, I don't think that's really going to happen. Or, it, you know, there's some type of ad that is like misspelled and looks a little weird, too. Those are kind of telltale signs to, to kind of shy away from that and be like, no, thank you. Put them in the spam folder, Marcus spam, phishing, and and move on. Marcus spam, yeah, do a little fall cleaning on your inbox, do a couple unsubscribes, 100%, which I yeah. think all of this too made me think of when Tara and I were looking at different resources before this of going, there's malvertising. So again, is it malicious or is it market, marketing? Is it malvertising? If it's an ad that doesn't seem to align with, you recently looked at pots and pans at Macy's because they were on a Black Friday sale. All of a sudden, it's an ad for something that's completely outside the realm of anything you've been shopping for. 
that should be suspicious. It's not just bad marketing. It could be bad marketing of going, hey, we picked the wrong target market and did these things. But going, hey, if a marketing team is doing Google ads, there's a good chance that they're trying to make it hyper-personalized to you to not just say, as a marketer, I would never go, hey, your package is late. By the way, here's how we can secure you for cybersecurity. That's a little bit too mean. That's taking it to a place that I would not want to go. That's clickbaiting to a place that's going, yeah, I would agree with the feedback. That looks spammy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, again, I'll have a ton of resources in the description, but it really comes down to trust between the the customer and the company. Like you, we trust you to opt in. And if you don't want that information, we give you the opportunity to opt out. And so if anything is outside of that uh, relationship, then I would question it. But I wanted to kind of open it up. If there's anything else you wanted to share. Or Again, if you say before we end. Yeah, yeah, I would say anything from you, Tara. I would say we like to tangent so we can always go down different routes. But I mean, I think that really gets to the, you know, the gist of it. We wanted to make sure that you, everybody was just kind of aware of what's out there, especially like I had mentioned, the holiday season's coming up. Just cause for pause, as I like to say, of what's really going to be real. And, you know, if you ever have questions, that's why you have your IT department is to ask them too. Because maybe, you know, if there's something weird, mark it as phishing because they can always retrieve it back if it actually was a legitimate email. So again, better be safe than sorry, because you don't want to be that person we talk about. It's really the end user that typically is causing the most issues when it comes to cybersecurity. So make sure you're not going to be that one user that happens to click something that could could lead to a lot of damage to your organization. Yeah, and on the flip side, and any of the organizations that are big enough to have internal marketing, or if you work with somebody external and you're going, should we be concerned of seeing all these reports that QR codes are being used for phishing? Should we not use QR codes? Should we not use these additional technologies? Should we not use Google ads? right? It is your business's decision. So I'm not here at all to go, no, you should do this. Of course, I'm going to lobby for the side of going, hey, trust your marketers to do things that, right, are ethical, don't look too clickbaity, aren't sloppy, don't have misspellings, aren't sending out things without an unsubscribe link, right? Just good best practices, but still allowing that bit of creative freedom to go. Hey, it is a super nice way to link somebody to the information they need with a QR code that's accessible, that people are getting used to. So, right, that would be my little personal that I'm like, please don't shy away from this great technology that we have or from using text as part of your advertising scheme, from using Google ads, from doing these things, but also realizing that with your brand, you're still being consistent. You're still using the same voice. You're still doing things that your customer base expects and you're hyper-personalizing everything to them with realizing that they have the ability to opt out of giving you any information that you still have to have a fallback of going, what do I do if I know nothing about you? I did want to mention, sorry, one last thing, Ariel, and then I'll, I will I promise I'll be quiet. Mark, with CIT, we're, we're somewhat small enough that we're able to let all of our CIT employees know when we're sending out large customer communications. And I wanted to mention that because I do think that is key. I mean, we use our internet and also our team's messaging. So our support staff does know if we send out a large message to customers. So if any questions do come up, they're able to look into that information to say, yes, that actually was marketing. There are actions that need to happen. So kind of another 
fail safe thing just to make sure everybody is included on those communications. I know with larger ones, it might be difficult to let everybody know everything that marketing is doing, but some of the ones that are very important when it goes to a larger group of customers, I think it's really nice to keep that um, interdepartment communication very active and knowing what's happening. Tara, that was a great point that I swear that I swear we're almost done here. I was like, see, you you talk for right going. What Tara is talking about is what we define as operational email. So to go back and if you're like, hey, I got an email from CAT and there was no unsubscribed link, it may have been an operational email. Operational emails are things like you signed up for a webinar and it's a confirmation here's something anything. Those typically do not have an unsubscribe link at the bottom because there is no sales method going. You could have unsubscribed from something, but we want you to get the email link to a webinar if you got that. If you're a user of one of our services and we have an important communication to you, that's considered an operational send versus a marketing send, which yes, 100% document what you're doing, communicate to internal and then externally know what to expect, but realize that just because something doesn't have unsubscribe, look at what the content is. If it's you're a managed services customer and this is an update of something that you have installed, yes, of course, we'll also provide the phone number and the email. You don't even have to respond to that email. You can call to verify, but those types of things. Now, if it's like red alert, all this stuff is on fire and it seems completely out of CIT's process, yeah. Cause for pause. For sure. I was just going to re-highlight the communication, not only between like the business and the customer, but internally, like Tara said, and then we work closely with our security department. And if they have questions like the QR code question, they will just ask us. So if you are an IT professional and you're concerned about something, just ask, just talk to your marketing department, see if they consider it or kind of do some research and, and help each other out. I think on that note, thank you, Tara and Kelsey, for joining us today. This was such a fun kind of different podcast. If you enjoyed this, please like and subscribe. It's how we know that you are interested in these topics. If you have a question or a topic, reach out to us at info at net.com or head out to our website, net.com slash podcast. And we'll be back next week with an all new episode.